Amen. So, what's really exciting, you know, what I'm sharing with you guys this morning, it, it ties into everything that, that we know, that we hope for as believers. There's this giving that has been gifted to us. There's a pouring out that came to you. You couldn't go to it. You couldn't go to him. He came to you. We couldn't go to Jesus. Jesus came to you. We couldn't get him on that cross. He gave himself up for us. Amen. John 7, 37 through 39 says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. What's he doing? He's giving himself to the people. They didn't call him up. They didn't call him out. They didn't say, Jesus, come give us you. Jesus stood up. He offers himself. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, which would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. There was an exchange that took place, how God brought himself to us. First, there was a barrier, right? All the love that God had for you, all the love that God had for me, was held back, in a sense, by sin. God wanted to be with us. He wanted us in Him. He wanted to be in us. He wanted to walk with us like He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But the barrier of sin kept us separated because in Him there is no sin. In heaven there's no sin. So there was this barrier that had to be dealt with before He could come. And what was that? What broke that barrier? That cross. Who broke that barrier? Jesus. The lamb that was slain came from heaven, sent into the world to break through that barrier. And then what came in behind it? God's Holy Spirit to come fill every believer who believes in him, who places their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation, that their sin may be forgiven, that their sin may be canceled, that sin debt may be canceled, that barrier could be removed so that now we can have that oneness, that fellowship with God. So the Spirit had not yet been given when Jesus said this because Jesus had not yet entered His glory. He had not yet broken that curse of sin. So the Spirit was still waiting to come. So what happened when the Spirit of God came the Bible uses many pictures and illustrations but the one I find that's most commonly used when talking about God's Holy Spirit being poured out onto the earth is like water it's a river he's a river of life he's flowing into the dry wastelands he's bringing life everywhere he goes and I have good news for us this morning that river has never stopped flowing since he came. And he will not ever stop flowing. There's nothing that can stop the river of God that is right now 
pouring on this earth, that's pouring and making himself available, just like Jesus made himself available to the world. And everything that we need and the, and the world needs around us is found there in that river of God's Spirit, in His Spirit. And all we need to do is to connect just by faith, to grab hold and dive in, to drink, and let that same river flow in our life and through our life to the world around us. And that's the title of the message today, and it's not a coincidence that we sang Let the River Flow, just so y'all know. Some of y'all, Rachel's like, no way, can you believe that? Is that... I'm like, no, we talked about it. No, we didn't. Right. So as I open up this morning, I want to break down a little bit about what Jesus offered us there. And the first thing is, is that for us to experience God's river, first we need to be thirsty. We must be thirsty. There was two main groups of people that Jesus encountered when he came into the world. Can we break them down this simply, do you think? Thirsty and not thirsty. You could fit every person that Jesus encountered into those two places. They either were thirsty or they were not thirsty. And we're going to go through some passages of Scripture here. And each time that word thirsty is used, it's the same Greek word that means to desire earnestly. To desire earnestly. But desire what? Thirst for what? I mean, we could all just say, oh, I got a lot of ambition. I got a lot of anxiety. I got, I'm thirsting, thirsting, thirsting for something. Fulfillment, pleasure, peace, joy, whatever it is. I'm thirsting. No. What is the Bible saying when it talks about that thirst? Matthew 5, 6 says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Some other translations say, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what is righteousness? Justice is kind of vague a little bit, but not when you start pairing these things together. Righteousness is a right standing before God. To have a right standing is righteousness. You're on the good side. You're, you're true. You're, what you write, it's right. You're true. You're right. You're righteous. And then the Greek word I found that is placed right there, one translation says justice, one translation says righteousness, is another way of saying it is justification. It brings that justice word into a little more clarity. It's, it's like a personal justifying or a personal justification or brought into right standing. And that is what people were either thirsty for or not thirsty for. They either had a thirst to be right with God or no thirst to be right with God. And you could see the divide amongst the people. There was a crowds of people that were drawn to Jesus because his teaching was so powerful because his miracles were so obvious that crowds of even haters flocked to Jesus, which to me is all the more evidence of who he was and what he did. It doesn't matter what we think about it today. 
The evidence is there. This man drew crowds of people, not just people that liked him, people that hated him. They, they were fascinated by him. He became public enemy number one to some of these people. They just couldn't stop his influence. It was too, it was too much. So who, what kind of people did Jesus encounter that were thirsty? What, what did these people look like? They were sinners in the, in the societal sense. They were sinners. They were prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors, thieves. You know, people who had bad reputations for being sinners in that society. Because, and I say it like that because we're all sinners. Everybody was sinners. But Jesus attracted these, uh, what's the word, like, well-known sinners. Like, they were the scum of society. They were just the bad people, the bad guys that nobody would want to associate with. They were drawn to Jesus. They were thirsty because they understood that they were sinners. They were humbled by their sin. They were humbled by the fact that they were evil and there was no way for them to repair that. They couldn't repair it with society. Society had cast them out. Because in that day, the society was a religious society. The religious leaders were the influential leaders in that, in that culture. And when the religious leaders were done with you, you were done. You probably lost your jobs. You couldn't work. You were a beggar. You just, you would, and they would collect, and they would just become known as like these little collections of scum that... Society didn't want anything to do with. They were thirsty, and when they saw Jesus, they saw hope. They were drawn to him because he offered what? A blessing for those who thirst for righteousness, for those who thirst justification. That's like me? Like I, I can be right with God? I can be righteous? And then those who weren't thirsty, what did they come across like? And the others that were thirsty were sick, poor, you know. They didn't have this comfortable, pleasure-filled life. They were looking for something else that they couldn't get on their own. But who wasn't thirsty? The proud, the rich, the knowledgeable. They were so smart, they thought they knew it all. The religious... They thought they checked all the righteous boxes. So I'm good. I'm a good person. How many times have we heard that? I'm a good person. Check. No need for God. No need for righteousness. No need to thirst for righteousness. Because I'm righteous. I'm a good person. So that means I'm going to heaven. That means I'm good with God. Everybody's good with me. I'm a good person. They say. So there's no thirst there. How important is this thirst? Revelations twenty two seventeen, The spirit and the bride say come. Let anyone who hears this come. There's that invitation again. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who, who desires, there's that desire word again, drink freely from the water of life. And there's a good key word there all throughout that passage. Anyone, 
You mean it doesn't matter if I'm poor? You mean it doesn't matter if I'm not smart? If I can't put three sentences together intelligently and people write me off because they don't care what I have to say? Even though I'm sick and I can't get to the pool to be healed? Even though I'm, I don't, I've done a lot of bad things? Even yesterday? I, I lost control yesterday? Even me? Anyone, if you thirst, isn't that cool? I mean, think about this. We put so many restrictions on people to let into our life. I mean, we put so many restrictions on people. And Jesus says, anyone, all people, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your wealth, doesn't matter your intelligence, doesn't matter your influence, doesn't matter your health, doesn't matter if you have coronavirus, Anyone. John 7, 37 through 38. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, there's something funny about being thirsty and getting filled. Because you can be thirsty, and that's the best place that you want to be. We need to be thirsty. And the water of life is available to us. God made that available to us, withholding nothing. But then there's a third step to that for you to be filled. What would that be? You got to drink. You can have a glass of water on the table and be thirsting in pain. If you don't drink the water, you're going to stay thirsty. You're not going to get your righteousness that you thirst after. You're not going to get your justification that you thirst after. You're not going to get the joy that you thirst after. You're not going to get the peace that you thirst after, the healing that you thirst after, the refreshing, the spiritual times of renewal and refreshing you're not going to get any of that if you don't drink. What's that saying? How does that saying go? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's like, come on, horse. I did everything. I, I found the water. The water's there, and it's water. It's good water. You can drink it, and you won't die. And I led you. I like had to drag you and maybe whip you a couple times, but I got you to the water. But you can't make that horse drink the water. The horse has to drink the water. You could dunk that horse's head under the water and it still won't drink. Unless it drinks. You can't make that horse drink. And God can't make you drink. He can't make us drink. He invites, him, he invites us to come drink. He makes himself available for us to come drink. But if we're not thirsty, we're not going to drink. Or if we're thirsty, and check this out, there's still some things, even though you're thirsty, even though there's a deep longing, a deep desire within you, there's some things that can still hold you back from taking a drink. How many times in the Bible is there reference to many are called but few are chosen? Or how hard it is 
for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Or when the invitation went out for the wedding feast and only a few accepted the invitation and then the, the king's like, enough with them. They don't deserve my invitation. Go out and invite everybody you see. Or how about the ones that Jesus said, come follow me. Oh, well, I got this to go do. I just bought a piece of property I got to go tend to. I just got married. My dad just died. About, 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 what? All these things pulling people away from taking a drink. Excuses, lies, believing those lies, the deception, believing those lies, fear, love of this world, of this life, selfishness, laziness. These are all things that can prevent us from coming to him and taking that drink that we so desperately need. We need that. It's not just a, a land yap thing. It's not just a bonus. We, we need to drink from the waters of life that are flowing from his heart. We need to take in and open up our hearts and let the Holy Spirit come and fill our life. And that river that we're going to talk about a little bit more here is flowing. It is, there's never a time that it's not flowing. Let me say it that way. I think we can oftentimes be confused to think that, well, if we don't see something or we don't experience something or we don't feel something, then God's not moving. There's no river flowing here. God's not, his presence isn't here. Well, where is he? Did he take himself back up into heaven for a time? And he only comes out whenever somebody calls on him? No, he's here. And it's called the river of life or river of living water, which represents God's Holy Spirit that was poured out, that came gushing forth from that cross, from heaven to you and to me. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and currents on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. How wonderful is that? That was Isaiah. Isaiah wrote that some 600 years before that cross ever took place. That was God making his promises, which he made all throughout the Old Testament. And then we got to see those promises come true. And then we got to experience them here. Now, 2,000 years later, after the cross, we get to personally experience this. Revelations 22.1. The Apostle John. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being poured out on the earth. John 7, 39. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, which would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his, into his glory. And I want you all to just take a moment to envision what this is like. A river 
You know, when I think about a river, me and Brandon were talking about this the other day. I can't help but picture if you cut that thing down the middle and look at it from the side. You know, when we see rivers, we see the top, it's flat, it's different widths, and it's moving side to side. But we don't see how deep that thing is. We don't feel the force of those waters. And this, I don't remember what all the numbers are, but maybe there's 8.33 pounds per gallon of water. And when you move that from side to side and you try to stand in the middle of that, every gallon is like 8 pounds pushing on your body. And depending on the speed is how much force you're, you're feeling, you're, you're experiencing there. Think about the force of an entire river. If you cut it in half and held it back at that point right there. How much force is now starting to build up upstream of that river as this water is moving through? Nothing stops that water from moving. Nothing will stop that water from moving. Nothing stops God's Holy Spirit from moving in this earth. And there's such a force of His moving, it will overwhelm you if you let it, if you drink it. That's the kicker. It's there. It's available to anyone who will drink. And there's more there than you could ever drink, ever. There's more there than all of creation could ever drink. And you know what's sad is we just dip our toe in the water. Like in, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the vision, the angel took him down the river. I, I looked into that a little bit. I'm not going to, I wasn't planning on sharing about it, but it was about a mile of travel and four sections that the angel measured off. And the first section, it was ankle deep. The next section, it was knee deep. The next section, it was up to his waist. And then finally, it was over his head. He couldn't stand in it and he had to swim. That river continues to get deeper and wider as it continues to flow. And our experience in God's river, God's Holy Spirit, our experience with God is largely dependent on how much are we willing to drink. Are we thirsty? Is that why we're not drinking? Because we're not thirsty. Because you know what? I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. Well, that means you're not thirsty and you're not drinking, which is a really big problem. So you're not as good as you think you are. What's truth? We can settle for, th for, for ideas and things that make us feel good, but that will only last for a little while because even Satan feels pretty good right now, maybe. But guess what? His knee's going to hit the ground. He will be eternally condemned. He will praise the same one he's trying to destroy. And he's going to watch those that God created that he's trying to destroy triumph. Doesn't matter what he believes. 
right? What's truth? When the veil gets pulled back, when the timer goes off, when Jesus comes back, when God says that's it, where do we stand? All of our thoughts, lies, covering ups won't help us. So why settle for that? Why settle for something that just makes us feel good if we can't put it down against the Word of God and see it's true? None of us are perfect. Let's just get that out there. You got to feel like you got to say that every time you talk to somebody. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. The people that were attracted to Jesus were far from perfect, but they were thirsty. They were thirsty for righteousness. They were thirsty to be right with God. They were thirsty after a relationship with God. So if we'll drink of that river, we're going to get everything, everything that we could possibly need because we're getting it from God. And you got to understand this, you know, when we sense God's presence and things like that, God's not changing. That river has never stopped flowing. It's just our faith to drink. That's it. That's the difference. So where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. Jesus makes this very plain. He's available to anybody at any time, at any place. In the whole world, doesn't matter how deep you are underwater or if you're in outer space, he's available instantly. He's instantly available to you, to anyone. If you're in death row, he's available. He's right there. And yet we become so knowledgeable and critical and we, God's presence isn't there. God's presence isn't here. The worship team, they really brought God's presence No, they may have helped elevate some faith, lead people like you lead a horse to water, but you still had to drink. Three quarters of the place could have been like, I experienced God's presence. I'm experiencing God's river of joy and it's overflowing. It's bubbling out of me. I can't control it. And then somebody that was in the same room with the same worship team here and the same message preached at the same life group doesn't feel anything. Doesn't experience anything. Either one, they're not thirsty. They don't even know. Yet you hear that saying, you don't know what you don't know. It could go right over their head. They didn't even know there was something to be thirsty for. Because they were so, they so believed that they were so good. That they didn't need anything. What is there to thirst for? I don't understand. Why would I go to church? I have so many other things I could be doing on Sunday morning. That's my, that's my weekend. Come on now. Y'all go to church? Why would you do that? Because we're thirsty. We're thirsty. And we want to drink. So God's presence, His joy is available to you at any moment. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how recently you did what you did. The thief on the cross experienced that river. 
Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You think he was experiencing the river of God? You think he took a big drink? He did. When he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom, he took a big drink and he was filled. And the last thing I want to share with you all this morning is that river, when you drink it, it will not stop with you. You can't contain it. And in a way, it's almost like evidence that you've actually taken a drink because it's going to come out of you. Because it's not of you. You can't manufacture it. You can't manufacture that life. You can't manufacture that joy. You can't manufacture that peace. You can't manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. You can't manufacture healing. You can't manufacture that, that refreshing that comes when He comes. John 4, 14. But those who drink the water I give, this is Jesus speaking, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Amen. You know the Mississippi River, many of y'all know this, but if you've seen it down here in New Orleans, it's massive, right? I mean, can we only begin to imagine if you cut that thing in the middle? How much water of a wall of water you'd be looking at if you just stood at the bottom of the Mississippi River and looked up to the top and to the sides. Eight pounds per gallon. And that's not even the biggest river. That's a river. But you know that river starts out very small. And it's about as wide as one of these rows of chairs. And it's got some rocks going across the top. You can actually skip across it, across the Mississippi River. It leaves Lake Itasca, if I'm saying that right, in Minnesota. The Mississippi River. It's the same river. And you would never know that down there in New Orleans, y'all wouldn't believe what this thing's capable of. Imagine that. Right? Imagine if we didn't have all the technology, but somebody left New Orleans, went right up the Mississippi River, got to the place where there's some kids playing on the streams in the, in the rocks, and somebody came from New Orleans and said, do y'all realize what y'all are playing in right here? Y'all are splashing in some shallows, but if you'll hang out in this river a little ways down, you would not believe what this river is capable of. You would not believe what God is capable of if you'll just take a drink. You would not believe it. Every day that passes, though, when you don't take a drink, how much are we missing out? How many of us, God has some plans for to be swimming in the deep? with him to where they come back up to the surface and they can't speak the apostle Paul the apostle John experienced things they couldn't talk about because they, they didn't have the words there was no there was no contemplation there was no understanding 
There was no human understanding. There was no words in their language that could communicate to another human being what they experienced. So this is all I got. It was like his voice was like roaring oceans. That's the best I got. Let's not forfeit that opportunity. Amen? If we're not thirsty, we might need to be reminded, we might need to be educated how thirsty we should be. You're not good. We're not good. The things of this this world that we crave are passing away. But we crave them so badly that we don't thirst after God because we thirst after the stock market. We thirst after homes. We thirst after careers. We thirst after family events. We thirst after pleasure. All of that stuff is passing away. It's not bad to have those things, to experience those things, to use them, but don't let that substitute your appetite for righteousness and a right standing with God and a drinking of Him. Come and drink. Get filled to overflowing. And it's going to fill you up. And it's going to flow out to the world around you. And it's not dependent on you. Ray, if you want to come up. I'm going to close out with a little story here. I was, I was at work. And for those of you who don't know, I wake up very early for work. 4.30, it's the latest I can sleep. And I do. <laughs> And I roll out of bed real fast and I hurry up and get ready and I'm actually working at 5 o'clock, believe it or not, because I live close and it works out that way. So needless to say, some of those mornings I am still sleeping, but I'm there and I'm turning wrenches and I'm pulling measurements. Hey, good morning. And I'm just trying to work and move. And sometimes in those moments... You know, when you're tired, you're vulnerable, and we have an adversary. He's constantly shooting fiery darts, you know, and sometimes he can catch you in those vulnerable places, and we all have them. We all have experienced this, but he catches you in those vulnerable moments, and he just hammers you, and you start feeling low and worthless, and you messed up, and you'll never be good enough. You'll never be... You'll never work hard enough. You'll never be disciplined enough. You'll never be gifted enough. You're walking on thin ice. It's all going to fall apart. You got it good now, but it's all going to fall apart. Just you wait. And, man, that can just start to wear on you, especially when you have high expectations for yourself. And I'm sitting there on this little roll around stool sometimes I do a certain work on and I sit down and I'm pulling measurements and bending some tube and I was feeling this lowly this lowliness this real like just brokenness like depressed I was getting really depressed right there at work and when I feel like that which isn't all the time but it's times of vulnerability where I can feel like that and I'm not interested in other people. I'm not interested in sharing the light of Christ to the world around me. I'm not even interested in saying hello. 
Like, just don't think I'm here for a little while while I just disappear, y'all. We're good. But you know what was interesting as I was sitting there? Just like those fiery darts come in, if you'll listen a little closely, just a little bit, it doesn't take much, you'll hear another voice. And you know what that voice says? Come. Come drink. And that's what I heard. And I said, you know what? I've got a river of life flowing in me. And then it hit me. It's not my river. I didn't start it. So it really doesn't matter how I feel. It's there. And then I started singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Just, and I didn't even know the rest of the words. Now I do because I listened to it a bunch after that. But I didn't know the words. I just kept repeating that one part. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. I'm starting to pull measurements a little bit faster. And I'm like, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And just the reality of this truth that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And it's in me, and it's in me, and it's in me. And it really doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I did, what I didn't do. He's there. He's there. He's there. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And then I started to realize this river is going to hit somebody. And I'm telling you, my whole day changed after that, it felt like. My whole mood, my whole outlook my, my feelings, my emotions were affected. Everything about that moment changed. And then you know what happened immediately after that? People did start getting hit with that river. <laughs> they got hit. Some co-workers were getting hit. And it was so fun. It was so fun. And the same people who just a few seconds earlier, I'd have been like, eh. I'm like, dude, how you doing? How's your mom? She's still sick? You know? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know? Hey, would you? Yeah, I will pray for her if you want me to pray for her. And Man, would you really? Yeah, okay. Later that day, text me. Hey, are you serious about praying for my mom? I'm going to send her your number. Next thing you know, I'm talking to his mom who's sick with cancer. And she is overwhelmed by the river of God now that was ministering to her through me. Praying for her healing on the phone, on speakerphone now with her whole family. And they were going to be here in this building. I can promise you that. They're not here today, but they will be here in this building. And just hearing the tone of their voice, that is, I'm just going off the tone of their voice. They were so thankful and so overwhelmed by that phone call. And it had nothing to do with me. You know what me was? Sitting there moping about whatever. I don't even remember. Moping. Couldn't even tell somebody hello. But then I started to drink. Nothing changed about my circumstances. My location didn't change. Somebody didn't come up and give me a good pat on the back and pray for me. Right where I was, right where you are, take a drink. Hear the voice that says, come drink. Anyone. Amen. Amen. Y'all can bow your heads this morning. You know, before we can experience the full, the fullness of God, the full river of God, we do have to get ankle deep. 
you got to get that initial drink. When you hear Jesus saying, anyone who is thirsty, come, and that sparks something in you, and you feel something tugging on your heart, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come, come and freely drink of me. Because Jesus made the way. He broke down the barrier that was withholding you from him. And that was your sin. But Jesus dealt with that sin on that cross. He took your punishment so that you didn't have to be punished in eternal damnation in hell. That is the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He loved the world so much. He wanted us to be drinking of Him. He wanted us to be with Him that He sent His one and only Son to die that punishment, to pay that payment for the evil that you and I have done. And yet He had no sin, the Bible says, which is why He could take your sin and my sin. And if you'll have that sin barrier broken off of your life this morning and receive that eternal life that He offers, you can receive the Holy Spirit, you can receive that same river of life this morning. You can take that your first drink this morning. If that's you, if you would like to take your first drink this morning, you can join me up here at the front and we can pray together.